0: Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast with your host, Scott McMahon. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, filmmaking freedom for the independent. This is a podcast where we focus on making and selling your film for online self-distribution. A perfect way to get started is to pick up the book, How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion, while doing it. It's available as a paperback in Kindle eBook. book as well as an audiobook. In fact, you can get the audiobook for free when you go to survivetheimplosion.com. When you go to that link, you can sign up with Audible for their free trial and get the book for free. Again, that's at survivetheimplosion.com. Today's episode is a rebroadcast of my interview with Stephanie Palmer, author of Good in a Room, and a former studio executive who has sat in over 3,000 pitches in her lifetime. You'll hear in this interview that I referenced some events that took place a few years back, but that doesn't take away from the valuable information that Stephanie will share with us in this episode. So without further ado, um, by the way, I took this saying from Jeff Goldsmith over at the Q&A podcast and who used to produce the Creative Screenwriting Podcast. Anyway, this is my homage to Jeff's saying, so without further ado, here is the rebroadcast episode with Stephanie Palmer here on the Film Trooper Podcast. (laughs) Today, my guest is Stephanie Palmer of Good in a Room. It's a book, and it's a website, and it's a uh, teaching resource for uh, filmmakers, especially uh, screenwriters. Now, Stephanie was the former director of creative affairs for MGM. So she actually sat in on over well over 3,000 pitches. So she's very astute to understanding what works and what doesn't work when you're trying to, well, pitch your idea. So Stephanie teaches not only screenwriters, but also business people how to better pitch their presentations uh, to anyone, basically a buyer. So she kind of breaks it up in her book like you are the seller and they are the buyers and there's a different type of relationship and understanding how that works and how best to prepare for your pitch uh, will, you know, garner you the best chance for success. So she's been involved with um, developing Legally Blonde uh 21. She's worked on Armageddon. She, One of her first jobs, is actually you'll hear about it later, was uh, working on Titanic but, um, I think she had a lot of fun working on 21 because she got to sit on a pitch with uh, Kevin Spacey. And also, they together worked for over two years on that particular project as she was the executive, point executive for MGM. Anyhow, so it, this is huge because you got to think, like, we're all filmmakers. And we kind of want to know, like, well, what's behind that closed door? What really goes on? If we had some inside information, could we be more successful? Could we, you know, have a better a better shot of getting our project out there. And so now we have access to someone like Stephanie who will tell you, who will actually teach you. You can hire her to be your coach. I mean, you can get like one-on-one training from someone who's been in the trenches in the Hollywood system and can give you all the tricks and tips of how to succeed. But I was really curious about Stephanie because I actually heard about her through the online entrepreneurs and bloggers I follow. And she was on Chris Ducker's uh, podcast. Chris Ducker is a new business podcast and he runs uh, Virtual Freedom. He just came up with this book called Virtual Freedom and he's been on this book tour. And he's all about outsourcing or utilizing virtual assistants or assistants to um, better maximize your time efficiency as a business CEO for any type of solopreneur or any type of business you're going to get into. And I had a chance to meet Chris Ducker at the World Domination Summit uh, these past two weekends up here in Portland, Oregon. So when we got talking, he was mentioning to me that his most favorite podcast interview he's done so far has been with Stephanie. Um, He was really just jazzed about it. And then Stephanie was also on Jesse Eichmann's uh, Business of Film podcast, and she really gives some good information on that particular podcast. So I think it's really important that you actually listen to uh, Chris Tucker's interview of Stephanie Palmer, as well as Jesse Eichmann's Business of Film podcast interview of Stephanie, as well as I found a really great uh, uh, presentation she did at Google a um, couple about two years ago. And I'll also link that up into the show notes. So in the show notes, you'll get a link to Chris Tucker's podcast interview as well as the business of film interview, as well as the uh, presentation she gave at uh, Google. So I really think it's really informative about who Stephanie is, what tremendous value she provides. And uh, so I didn't want to get too much into the stuff that she's already talked about. I really wanted to get into more about, about how she has transitioned from going from Hollywood to running her own online business. And that's sort of the whole goal of what Film Trooper is about, is to teach independent filmmakers that your film is only one part of it it's really almost like an advertisement for you're selling something else and what you're selling on a, it'll be a larger scale at a larger price point, but you need to know some online entrepreneurial skills to do that. And St- Stephanie's actually doing that. And so that's kind of really why I was jazzed to talk to her about it. But you'll listen to this interview and you'll hear that it's mostly just a conversation. Just had a really great time uh, connecting and talking with her and feel really honored that she's on today's episode. So, Without further ado, here's Stephanie Palmer of Good in a Room here on the Film Trooper Podcast. Hey, so here I am with Stephanie Palmer of Good in a Room, and I'm pretty pretty excited that she even came on this podcast. Um, I had a chance to listen to her the first time on Chris Ducker's podcast, and I had a chance to meet Chris just recently up here in uh, the World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon. Um, But he was raving about... Like his most favorite podcast interview he's done so far has been with you, Stephanie. By the way, I don't know if you know. Thank that.
1: you, <laughs> thank
0: you. Because <laughs> he was he was ecstatic to tell me like, oh my, you know, I can't do his a- accent, but he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you've got to talk to Stephanie. Oh my gosh, amazing! So I was like, oh, in fact, I did. So let's get a selfie. So that's how I get. I sent the selfie to you. Perfect, because,
1: perfect. Just let you know we were talking <laughs> about you.
0: So for those of you who um, people that don't know who you are, can you uh, give us? quick pitch of like who you are basically where did you start in the film industry and how did you end up starting a good in a room company in this book and and, in a company that came off that book So I'll sit back and let you tell us a quick story.
1: (laughs) Sure. Well, I started, um, I studied theater in college, and right out of college, I started as an intern on Titanic, was the first movie that I worked as, as an unpaid intern, and then worked my way up from getting coffee to being an assistant, and I was an assistant at Jerry Bruckheimer Films, so working on giant movies like Armageddon and Enemy of the State and Con Air. And then I moved to MGM, where I... Uh, worked my way up through the executive ranks to become the story editor and then to become the director of creative affairs, where my job was one of the small team of executives who would read screenplays that were submitted, hear pitches, and decide which projects we wanted to produce, so which pro- which screenplays we wanted to purchase and which movies we wanted to make. And then if um, I found a project, one of the great things about MGM that was unique at that time is that if you were the executive who found a project, that then you You got to supervise it all the way through um, pre-production, production, production, post-production and see the movie, you know, through development until it was released. So that was a super experience that I would not trade for anything. Um, But then after being an executive for a number of years, I got frustrated with the kinds of movies that we were making. And as much as I there were aspects that I loved of being an executive, There were other things that were very frustrating, and I really wanted to work for myself because both my parents and my brother all had their own businesses at the time, so I knew what that lifestyle was like, and it was certainly different from my lifestyle as an executive where you're on-call 24 hours a day and working every single weekend and every holiday. So I uh, decided to go out on my own, and I, I really thought about what were the aspects of my executive job that I enjoyed the most, and that was absolutely working with writers. And so I thought, how could I make that be what I do on a daily basis? So I really designed the business around helping writers, particularly writers, but I certainly work with a lot of producers and directors, editors, other creative people um, to help them sell themselves and sell their work and so that's why i started good in a room and it's been a really wonderful journey so far
0: and you wrote the book if i'm correct um 2008 is that correct Mm -hmm. Mm so it's been around for a while and then you um when did the business part of it the online business start
1: That really, although I've always had a website, it was extremely simple. Um, and it was only until in the last few years, really about two years ago that I started focusing on, um, having an online business. And that really grew out of, um, having a son as we were talking about and, and wanting to have more control over my time. And so I've really, uh, started to learn more about blogging and having an online business. And there's still so much more that I have to learn, but that has been one of my focuses over the last couple
0: of years. Oh, interesting. So I'm going to real quick backtrack to your first job in the industry being, uh, working on Titanic, um, I actually, my ex-girlfriend was the uh, s- uh, stand-in for Kate Winslet. Oh, so yeah? So I was down, because th- I, I was in San Diego at the time. I was working at PlayStation. I was uh, making movies for um, Sony PlayStation at the cool. time. Cool. So I would mm-hmm. drive down, visit her once in a while, um, you know, got to meet. On the
1: set in Mexico? On the Mexico. Set. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I guess with her access, you know, you get to meet all, you know, I don't know. We were in a, we were, whatever, in a van with, uh, Kate, you know, Kathy Bates, you know, going yep. back to her whole mm-hmm. hotel. But it's a strange thing because I think, um, if you want to relay your interesting story, what your first job was to do on <laughs> the job, because I, I have something to add to that after you're done.
1: <laughs> well, my first job, I mean, I did many interesting things, but of course, I was fresh out of college and just really desperately wanted to do a great job and impress people because I knew, I mean, it was such a great opportunity to get to work on this giant, huge movie. Um, and so I was asked to do all sorts of things. But one of the things that I was asked to do was to drive boxes of something that I was not to look at um, over the Mexican border, and partially I'm sure they chose me because I looked so innocent, and I frankly was, and still kind of am, um, but that I didn't get caught driving whatever illegal material um, over the Mexican border, and so that was one of my many jobs.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you what was in those boxes because I was on the receiving okay. end. No, I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> Actually, it's just a vortex down there. I remember going down there, and I was like, this weird, sort of like, debaucherous vortex. Yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, needless, needless to say, like, when that whole stint ended, it was like watching these people sort of decompress, like, because there, there were so many extras and so many other additional people that were literally living down there in Mexico, because they had to be on call, yes, thr- thrown absolutely. into the, the tanks and mm-hmm. the, the amount of, uh, you know, sicknesses and ear infections and just crazy. But it was, uh, it was amazing. To, I, I wonder if we actually probably bumped into each other, because I was in, like, different offices all the time, so... <laughs> So here's the thing I know that everybody, after they heard sort of your quick resume, would be like, oh my gosh. Okay, you're, so you're teaching your writers you know, how to be good in a room. Um, one of the things you teach in your book, which is a fantastic book, which, and your site. You, so two things that people have to do. One, buy your book. Two, sign up for your emails because your emails are loaded with such valuable content and, and all that, and all that type of stuff. And one of the things you talk about are the five stages of the pitch. Can you kind of run over, run over? I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) Can you actually just go over what those five stages of the pitch are?
1: Sure. Well, when I was an executive, I heard more than 3,000 pitches and sat in more than 3,000 pitch meetings, way more than that probably, if I really counted. Um, but I was really fascinated by wh- how, why are some people really successful in selling projects? And it wasn't just based on one particular genre, like for example, oh, we're just buying comedies right now or just dramas. It really was um, across all genres and across all different types of people pitching, I was paying attention to why are some people really hitting it and other people are just flopping no matter what kind of project they're pitching. So, I paid attention and basically analyzed that there were five stages of any successful pitch meeting and that uh, just like a screenplay, almost all screenplays have three acts, pitch meetings go through five stages. And so the first stage is really that rapport building stage where you're getting to know the person, you're talking about something that's not specifically directly related to your project. And it's just a chance for people to say, who are you? Do I like you? Can I, you know, can we have a conversation? Just getting a sense of who you are. Then the second stage is information gathering where you're asking some questions. The third stage is the pitch. That's the part where you actually describe what your project is about. Then the fourth stage is Q&A, question and answer, and this is the place where the most important part of the pitch meeting, this is where almost all sales are made. So the executive knows that you've come in prepared with how you're going to describe the project, you know, your specific pitch, but they want to see how you handle question and answer. And then the fifth stage is just the close. And ideally, if everything has gone well ahead of time, the close is very easy.
0: And you mentioned too, um, like every pitch, you should have like one objective that you're going for. And that kind of sets it up. Um Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. So often people go into a meeting and they have so many different goals like, oh, I hope that I can sell this project and I hope they'll also recommend an agent to me and I hope maybe we'll actually get to be great friends with this executive um, and I hope that they'll consider me for another writing assignment. And it's like, well, once you have all of those goals, it's going to be really hard for any of them to be achieved, but it's much easier to keep it simple and say, "Well, which one of these can I achieve in this specific meeting, knowing that if a relationship goes well, you're going to have multiple meetings and it can develop. So what's the one thing if only if you could only accomplish one thing in that meeting is it Is it just that you want to get a second meeting?" which is a perfectly reasonable, good goal for an initial meeting. It's just, I want it to go well enough that they say, hey, when you have your next project, bring it in. Or I have an idea for you. Let's talk about it. Can we set up another meeting for you to come back and meet my boss? I mean, those would be totally successful outcomes.
0: So basically, um, it just makes sure that you're not a douche. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, but I think it's I think it's kind of um, thinking about it like dating. That uh, so often, you know, if you go on a first date and you're like, "I'm gonna marry this person and have children with them," it's gonna kind of kill the vibe of that first date. Uh, <laughs> that so often that same dynamic can happen because it's so hard to get a meeting with a decision maker, and people think this is my one chance to meet with this executive, so I've got to put everything in there. Yeah, um, and that can. Kill that vibe too
0: yeah i had I had an experience like that um pitching a, a movie years ago um was able to get you know in front of a very prominent producer you know well mm-hmm. known well respected yep. and everything led up to there where I felt like I built everything up but um I wish I had all this information <laughs> prior, of course, but going into it, and not that it was a, it was ruined honestly i was i realized all I was doing I was selling my shoe design to a hat maker. Because, uh-huh. I mean basically I had a comedy. Yep. He never made a comedy in his life. Even though everybody told me that that's what his he had like a special deal with a um a company that was a distribution company and they were uh-huh. looking for a comedy. And so they were like, yeah, this is it, man. This is it. This is it. And we get there and the the problem was he was the the final say I and mean, his name on top of everything else. Yes. And if you look at his body of your work, it was uh he never made a comedy in this in this type of uh style ever. So it was one of those like, oh, okay, it was, you know, it was good exercise. Maybe I went a little over the top, but I could have totally used a lot of everything you mentioned here, the five stages of a pitch meeting, just to make it a little, you know, smoother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now it's interesting because um, doing these podcast interviews, you know, most of the time I just, you know, get on and I just have like a conversation. Mm-hmm. and it, But then I, the more I studied up on everything that you were teaching and everything that you you're about with Good in a Room... I got a little nervous because, like, oh my gosh! Wait a minute! Now I have to feel like I have to apply these these stages even in this podcast interview. Oh
1: goodness! I am not judging at all <laughs> no, no. in that way. I promise.
0: <laughs> so so here is the funny part. So I'm like, okay, number one, I knew about rapport. So we started off, and I you know, I I did my homework a little bit, kind of yes. try to figure out, like, hey, where you are you living now?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so where do you live? And 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 we're just trying to connect on a human level, like you would if you're at a at a cocktail party or whatever. right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then allowed you to, yeah, give your pitch like real quick, what your story was and listen. And then, then my next pitch, I guess the next stage would be, I have to do the pitch. Now here's the fun part. Uh, I've heard you say this many times before, but I love for the listeners to hear it again. What is the one most important thing that you should have in your pitch? And this is specifically for filmmakers or, uh, you know, screenwriters, um, So now that we're on the third stage of the pitch.
1: (laughs) I love this very meta.
0: It's great. You're doing beautifully.
1: (laughs) Um, If you only learn one thing, it is in a pitch, especially a pitch about a movie or a TV show, a creative pitch, it is to lead with genre. It is so easy to assume as the creator of this project that the person listening who's hearing your idea for the first time will automatically assume that your project is, you know, if it's a comedy, they're going to automatically get that it's a comedy or if it's a drama or if it's a thriller. But that is the most forgotten element that can easily send people down the wrong path. And so if you do nothing else, I literally mean lead with genre. Like, for example, my project is a comedy about blah, 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 blah. Or the title of my project is, and it's an action thriller about da da because da, da. though that specific word is uh, gives so much information for the listener and that's sort of what what your entire idea hangs off of the clarity of what genre your project fits in
0: perfect you know it's interesting um, I've, I've read a lot of different blogs and they give like a little examples of um, you know here's how to write the, the best log line or your get your synopsis ready or how to get ready for a pitch and so on and I'm surprised even how, how many countless blogs and even books I've read I don't see that as like the most important and it's really fascinating because you're like well I've been on the other end <laughs> listening to well over 3,000 pitches and I can say that's really really helpful so thank you so much for sharing that so um, the next part is, I you know I, I definitely want people to check out your interview with um, that Chris Ducker did of of yourself because he does a great job of going over on your web on your website um, goodinroom.com that you have on your tagline your right underneath it which is network pitch sell and I don't want it you don't have to go over everything you've done with Chris but if you could could you just give us like a teaser or a a trailer of what that necessary means when somebody comes to your site or becomes part of your community and signs up for your emails, what network pitch sell means to you?
1: Well, for me, networking is a crucial component of succeeding in Hollywood. And it's something that particularly writers often cringe at the thought, um, because most writers didn't You know, decide to become writers because they wanted to be out there pitching and selling themselves and meeting strangers and, you know, being a good salesperson. They've just, they want to be a writer because they're good at conveying their work in writing, often home alone by themselves. And so it's really helping even introverts network effectively because that is, other than having the, the number one most important thing to succeed is to have the talent to be able to deliver in whatever your creative craft is. But the second most important skill is to be able to network and be good in a room. And so that's really the area that I focus on. Um, then pitching is definitely how you talk about yourself and your work in a clear, compelling way. And then selling is the sort of, technical aspects of how ideas are sold how projects are purchased who are the right buyers for your project who is the right agent for you um those sort of business aspects are another um portion of the material that i cover and that i help my clients with
0: oh perfect that's that's perfect so here's the interesting thing so we kind of reached sort of the halfway mark um and I'm glad we got over like all these sort of the main core of what, you know, Stephanie Palmer is all about in terms of good in room. Now, this is second half is for me selfishly. Now it's like just conversation because I really love, I really love to know. Well, what are your thoughts about the future of Hollywood? Because um, um, there's two things you worked in the Hollywood, definitely in the Hollywood system, uh, in the, the big studio system. And then there's a whole other sub world of the independent film world. Um, but I would love to see, just kind of get your take on what you think the future is um, with, with all the changes that have happened.
1: Well, I think there's huge growth that can still happen in the indie film world, um, whereas the studio system is shrinking in some way, but that the indie film world, there's so much more potential for growth, especially globally. So I think it's really exciting. I think, um, I know I'm not the first person to point out how, access is so much more, I mean, it's, you say it in your podcast and on your site of how much more possible and achievable it is for an individual to be able to create a film, you know, for a reasonable budget that just has not existed in the past. And the amount of money necessary to do a quality production just keeps getting lower and lower. I think that's hugely exciting. Um, And I think that, The indie film world is what is available to the vast majority of creative people, of filmmakers. And so I think it's an amazing place to focus because though there will always be, I think, the studio system, it's hard to penetrate. There's only a small portion of people who are involved in those projects. But the best way to get considered or to break in to the studio film world is to create your own independent film. So I think it's totally where it's at.
0: Oh, nice. Hold on for one second. My microphone is dropping. I'm going to make a bunch of noise sure. as I switch yeah, this boom mic. Hold on. <laughs> as we're talking, I'm like, why is this thing's going down lower and lower and lower?
1: What's sagging? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I realized like, I was hunched over.
1: <laughs>
0: what you don't see, I'm like, <laughs> like
1: oh
0: gosh. <laughs> why am I crunched over now? <laughs> oh, yeah, now here's what's fascinating about it. Um, you've been in the world of film at the highest levels and now you have branched out on your own and you are making a living for a few years and and doing it very well um you know giving value to a large um, audience of not just hollywood screenwriters but also business people in general uh, applying the techniques and practices that you've been teaching in good in a room uh, to like I said, to business people, and that's what's great about your book because it doesn't it doesn't just go into about just filmmakers and so on. Um, I want to know when did you kind of have the light bulb go off where you made the connect? like, wait a minute, these ideas are could be used in a much broader audience outside of just filmmakers but also business people.
1: Well, I knew that a lot of the techniques were very similar um, just because I had done some public speaking, and I'd spoken at the National Speakers Association, and a lot of people were saying, oh, this, you know, it's so similar. But I really, I mean, frankly, the only corporate jobs that I've ever had have been in Hollywood. I've never worked in it for a real company, um, you know, out in the real world, other than in Hollywood. And so, I was not, I felt like, well, how can I really know that these, I know that these techniques work in Hollywood because I've seen it and I've done it and I've proven it over and over, but I really don't have evidence that they work outside. Um, and so I had an agent approached me about writing a book after he heard me interviewed on National Public Radio. And I thought, well, this is an amazing opportunity that I know doesn't happen every day. And he suggested, he said, I don't care, even if you don't feel like you've tested these theories You should write a proposal as if you have, and then after we sell it, you can go out and test your theories and make sure they really work. And I thought that was pretty ballsy, but I said, okay, I'm on board for that. Let's see if we can do it. And that's what happened.
0: Oh my gosh. And I, you know what, I I can't wait to people get a chance to see this, um, the talk you gave at Google because like you're opening, um, like first 10 minutes talking about how you went to the New York for the book publisher and you were there and, and you were you know, the irony of I'm selling like um a book about being good in a room and being pitching and then you were throwing a curveball. Um if you want to tell us a little bit about like your one of your first meetings, like pitching a book idea, which I thought was fascinating.
1: Well, I you would think that I would be totally prepared to pitch a book um, that's called Good in a Room and be really successful at pitching, but I was shocked. Actually, it's funny. I can't remember exactly what I shared in the Google Talk now, but I imagine that it was um, that when I went to the first publisher meeting with this big agent and this major, major publisher, that I came into the room and was sitting on the couch, and in came the editors to you know, interview me, basically, that I just totally froze. And I couldn't, I, it was just so shocking to me that I was the the writer sitting on the couch instead of the executive sitting behind the desk asking the questions. And I really was pretty terrible in the room. I mean, by the end, I had kind of gotten it together and wasn't totally mortified, but it was not my best meeting. And so I was, uh, went home that night and was just so embarrassed and finally got my act together and followed my own advice and then the following meetings the next few days were terrific and <laughs> it all worked out but um it was embarrassing
0: what is that about um just people in general of it's it's almost easier to give advice from a you know three thousand view you know whatever oh so view. much
1: easier to help someone else yes than yourself because you're they, so close to it yeah yeah
0: and then you got to stop and you got to go okay what would would Stephanie say? (laughs) Whatever it might be. Like, this is what you would, like, if you could separate yourself, this is, you know, because I had this thing too, as I'm, you know, trying to uh, expand Film Trooper Mm -hmm. and I had to stop and my wife is very good because her supportiveness is like just straightforward bluntness. Like, you need to stop doing this. You need to do this. You need to do this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's one of the hard things about having an online business is there are so many things you can do that it's really hard to not be overwhelmed.
0: Oh gosh! And here's the interesting thing: you were talking about Hollywood, and I think what it is about Film Trooper is, yeah, the, the tagline is helping filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Because we talked about um, the barrier to entry in terms of production has been has been, that's not a barrier anymore because the digital tools mm-hmm. make it so easy to anybody could do it, uh, mm-hmm. like myself. Um, and then the distribution arm of the last the past last past year actually has been decimated because anybody can put anything up online any digital good a book you know music mm-hmm. movies and sell it directly to people all over the world instantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the last barrier is marketing um being you know being heard ab- above all the noise and stuff like that so that's going to be interesting and i don't know whether or not the future of film distribution for independence is going to change from a distributions type company versus to like uh, all in-house like marketing company you know i don't know
1: mm. yeah i don't either
0: because mm-hmm. i have an interesting thing like um when i was trying to get my film made years ago in the old you know in the old sort of the imploding system when yes. the, the, the economy is crashing, everything was built around like the foreign pre-sales. So, you mm-hmm. know, you go to AFM, the American film market, or the, mm-hmm. the, that market is the same market if you go to Cannes film market or the Singapore Correct. film market. It's the mm-hmm. same people. They all just go there. So – um you know this. I'm just... uh, No, no, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm assuming the people that don't know this, like this is what I'm... I'm, My wink-wink to you, to them is like, (laughs) this is how it works. (laughs) So it's fascinating because everything is based off like the foreign Mm pre-sales. But I read an article that may be very interesting about once Netflix invades more of a global market, what happens to the pre-sales? You know, I don't know. It's, It's like there's... Once those like pre-built markets or pre-whatever uh, it is that they're counting on, I wonder if that's going to implode the um, old way of independent filmmaking. You know, so I sure the-
1: think so. Ultimately, who knows when? But yeah. I sure think it would.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so then it's fascinating because you—I don't know when did you um, learn about Pat Flynn and Chris Tucker, um, and in attending their San Diego um, one-day uh, workshop event
1: can't remember. I mean, in the last two years, I had started um, reading Pat Flynn, I think, when I had various questions about what does this mean and how do I do that? And he has such an incredible um, site of resources written for the layperson like myself, who is not a technical whiz, um, to figure some of these things out. Like, what is keyword research or whatever the topic was? Right. Um, how do I use WordPress? Um, and then they had their first one-day business breakthrough, and I just thought I – could really benefit from this because I've never I'd never attended a online um I mean I know it's a huge business um, and there are tons of people who make their living this way but I had never attended a workshop or a class um, in anything like this and so I um, went to it it was absolutely terrific it was hilarious because I thought my website which was very simple and plain um, was fine and it was ripped to shreds and that was just what I needed <laughs> um, and so it um, and it was such a valuable experience for me to see all these other people who have successful online businesses, just how they focus them and what they do. I mean, just that there is this huge world available that I didn't even know because, I mean, I never even took a marketing class or I don't have an MBA or any of these things that a lot of other people do. Um, And so, I've really had to take a lot of classes and learn and I'm still learning. Um, But it was terrific. And um, from there, I've Um, Kept in touch with both of them and and, um, learned a lot from them and they've been terrific.
0: Oh man, it's amazing. Uh, Once someone enters the world of like opening themselves up to the online entrepreneurs or bloggers or marketers, um, there's definitely, you can see the difference where you were mentioning like Hollywood, the way the structure is set up is that you know only a very few amount of people get to play in that playground right now. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is like the old ways of doing things from film school on over a 100 years of, you know, an industry kind of growing into its own, um, it's creates this sort of scarcity mindset because we're all sort of um, conditioned to think like you got to get here to get there. And, you know, and maybe you'll be that 1% that gets that magic ticket because every t- that's what we live off of all these uh, blogs and stuff and articles is like we still refer to one or two hits that happen in over the last few years. And that's mm-hmm. what we refer to as like, well, this might be like one of those movies. This might be like I had um, Oren Pelley on from Paranormal mm-hmm. Activity and he and mm-hmm. I worked together at Sony. And so we, I had this conversation with him about like, well, wait, let's take me, you know, step by step. And you could see so many unusual things that had to happen to make it, Happen, and you realize like I was living vicariously through I'm like oh my god what is that like
1: like your whole (laughs) life
0: just changed like one day you know and it was it was fascinating um but when you go into the online world the I mean the business world and the blogger world um there's this wonderful world of abundance like you can go to Chris Ducker and learn a lot of the same things as you do if you go to uh, Pat Flynn, but mm-hmm. they they're, they work in tandem together and they never feel like there's no competition. Each person is always you know teaching each other, and it's amazing because it's like this weight lifted off your shoulders and there's so much so much optimism and positivity going on in that world where, as you know, filmmakers you know can be very of all types doesn't matter what part of the, um uh, process you are in filmmaking could be very cynical and yes. because they have that scarcity mindset. And yes. S- and so mm-hmm. I'm trying to hopefully open up the minds like we got to let that go because guess what we actually have our artists like you said you work with a lot of artists and that's what I want to ask you because the difference between somebody creating art or something out of their mind or getting inspired because they, they had this itch to just, you know, scratch to produce something. Versus the online business world, which is they extract the information from an audience or a customer base, figure out what that problem is, and then try to solve that problem. So, uh, you know, they're, both disciplines are coming at a different place. One's coming up from just like this burning desire to be expressive and push it out to the world Mm -hmm. where the other one is extracting pulling the information and then um being of service to to their audience or their world and i just wanted to know what your thoughts were because as you're seeing both you've you know you're seeing both spectrums of in your past career
1: hmm well i think um One thing that I've seen, because even though I've worked exclusively on the really high-end, big-budget studio films, now that I have my own business, many of my clients are independent filmmakers. And I think that the people who have been really successful are those filmmakers who pay attention to marketing and pay attention to how are we going to figure out how to... um, get money, you know, find funding and also find an audience basically from the beginning of the process, not that they create the movie and then think, "Ooh, now how are we going to find an audience? But that that's a component of their strategy from the beginning.
0: Ah, so yeah, good. um, Thank you for pointing that out, like seeing, you know, the, the ones you're working with, um, let me ask you, what is your thoughts about um, why filmmakers should become entrepreneurs? I mean, I mean, you kind of touched upon that, but if you want to elaborate a little bit more about what you're seeing uh, you know, as you've applied uh, your skill sets in both worlds.
1: Well, I think filmmakers are, I mean, the successful ones absolutely are entrepreneurs in that they are the ones creating and generating. They're deciding which projects they're going to work on. They are focused on it. They are small business owners in a way. I mean, the vast majority are self-employed and have to deal with all of the challenges of um not consistent income and self-employment taxes, you know, all of those things of um, being self-employed, but that also they are the engine that runs their own company. And that's a very different thing than going to a job and having someone tell you, here's what we're going to do today. Do this list of five things and then you can go home. It's just a totally different mindset. Um, And so I think that the filmmakers who educate themselves on your site and other places as far as learning about marketing, distribution, um, how to create a successful pitch so that investors will want to invest with them rather than another project or someone else. I think those are hugely valuable skills. Um, But I think it's terrific that these uh, resources are available online and that you don't have to go to um, traditional film school, even though that's great for many people, but it really isn't required. No, no. And a lot of these things even at the best film schools aren't really taught. Um, I mean you can learn great things at film school, but the actual how do I get a movie made? How do I build my career so that I get paid more as my projects, you know, how can I leverage what I've done previously to make a better ne- deal? All of those things come from practice.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was so I was at the um World Domination Summit uh-huh. I was here 2 weeks and that, that was like a vortex of like just being high of like conquering the world you know yes (laughs) and the
1: enthusiasm of being surrounded by all these other entrepreneurs
0: yeah and they're so positive and like you know so i had this an interesting story so this is how i got to know um chris ducker i had Uh actually uh, tried to apply for his position on fizzle.co with um the guys um corbett Uh bar uh-huh i know that Mm -hmm. yeah so they're really Mm -hmm. funny and just energetic but you know very successful and so they had this post that said hey we're looking for somebody to um, run our member success success specialist or whatever, their their membership Uh part of it. So, But I saw that the post, because what happened was I was listening to Chris Ducker's podcast and he was interviewing Caleb Wojcik and they were talking about Fizzle. And then I finally checked out Fizzle and I realized I saw this post, but it was like almost like a month too late. So I'm like, ah, they probably hired somebody. So it was on a Thursday. So then I spent that weekend putting together this ridiculous, like my Hail Mary, like maybe I'll get a shot you know yeah. so i put together i bought a url that said i want to work for fizzle.co put together this <laughs> <That's> ridiculous <smart. laughs> video i put together this ridiculous video where Good i, I present myself and then it cuts to like referring to this is how i found out at chris ducker's podcast and it cuts to this little flash animation i kind of put together of chris ducker um as um uh, um, Patrick Stewart playing um, Professor X and he's in a little wheelchair and he's, he's he's so he's talking you know the the audio from the podcast and then Caleb um, is the, this gigantic giant from the Twin Peaks series so there's two ba- <laughs> two bald guys talking to each other but Caleb is so tall so I just yeah. made him exaggerate tall so as they're talking and then I have like uh, Pat Flynn come in and he doesn't say anything there's a little character on the bottom of the screen like walking in and he turns around. He's got this little backpack that says Filipino VA, and he walks off. <laughs> and so it was like it was like really ridiculous. Like I, I mean,
1: over the top. But look at you, I love it.
0: So I Went mean, for it. so needless, needless to Make say your that was props to you. <laughs> thanks. So needless to say that uh, you know I, I didn't get the the position because I, I turned in the. Um, I just sent them the link. I said, I wrote them an email. and I said, everything you need to find about what you're asking for, my resume, my answers to your questions. And by the way, you didn't ask for it, but here's a video. I just sent them a link. So to show that I had commitment, you know, I spent a few bucks to get a secure URL. I sent them that Monday morning. Two hours later, they all wrote back just like ecstatic, like, oh, my God, this thing's hilarious. Unfortunately, we just hired somebody last Thursday. (laughs) But. It got back to Chris Ducker and he said, hey, because he if the fizzle guys aren't using you, let's meet up in World Domination Summit because I have something to talk to you about. So that's I just kept in touch with them. Perfect. And so when I met up with them, um, I just happened to, you know, we had other business stuff to talk about. So that's how we got the selfie. But at the same time, um, he was there with another entrepreneur who uh, invited me to this party. But I kind of knew overhearing who they're talking about what party it was going to be it was like a party of like all like your top online entrepreneurs uh-huh. you had john lee dumas you had yeah. pat flynn you had uh you know chris Tucker would be there the fizzle guys would be there i mean um natalie sisson um, yep. jamie mm-hmm. tardy all of them so i was like okay i got to Here's another thing, trying to apply everything you, you taught about mm-hmm. building rapport and networking. And you talked about networking VIP. Let's real quick. I know we have like a, little bit, a few minutes here. Can you tell me, tell us a little bit more about networking uh, VIPs in your process? And then I'll, t- I'll show you my story of how I sort of apply what your teachings were.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, to me, um, the more that you can really customize what you are, um, if you're networking to a VIP, the more that you have done your research ahead of time, the more you can make sure that your conversation is applicable and interesting, and that you're continuing to shine the light back on that VIP. So I, I call it 100% outward focus. Like if you're meeting someone for the first time, especially if it's someone that you admire, or it makes you a little nervous, you want to make sure that you, you know, give make a good impression, it can be very easy to just start talking a mile a minute or saying silly things just out of nervousness, totally normal. Um, But I like to encourage you to have 100% outward focus where you're really just totally listening really carefully to what the other person is saying, because in our world now, it is so common to not be focusing on the other person, to have just be focusing on our own inner monologue of, ooh, do I have spinach in my teeth? What am I going to say next? What can I do? Blah, blah, blah. And you're not really listening. So it really stands out when you are the kind of person who can be there in their presence and just really pay attention and react in the moment.
0: Yeah, they definitely go, uh, you know, they also talk about, you know, giving Look at me pausing. Hold on. I'm going to cut this out as I get my thoughts together. (laughs) They talk about looking to add value to somebody that you want to connect with and not be somebody who's looking to take.
1: Take, take, take. Exactly. Stop,
0: take, 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 and give, give, give. Because the more you Especially at
1: the beginning. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: So here I was at this opportunity to go to this party that I knew that was part of the, uh, not part of the main conference. Like this Mm -hmm. is like uh, away from the main event and it was going to be exclusive because there's only so many people could fit up on top of this rooftop in Portland. So I got the address. I knew what time it was going to start six o'clock. So I made sure to be like one of the first people there because I knew a lot of people just show up late. But the main also... I knew that I needed to come gifts-bearing, you know. Yes,
1: nice.
0: <laughs> so I stopped by. Uh, in Portland, there's two donut places. Uh, the, the famous one is Voodoo Donuts. Everybody, yes, that's I've more heard of, a of the Voodoo. Day.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: locally, that's sort of like uh, more of a tourist attraction uh-huh, type uh-huh. thing. Because yep. uh, there's mm-hmm. another donut place called Blue Star Donuts, which is this oh, like gourmet type donuts. Delicious. So I got a dozen of those uh, Blue Star Donuts, headed over to the party. You know there, you know John Lee Dumas was, and uh, a bunch of other people, just a few guys. You know, mm-hmm. and I just walk in, and I me- I meet the uh, the guy uh, who I met, who's friends with Chris Stuckers. His name is Greg Hickman. He runs uh, mobilemix.com, uh-huh. and he he was mm-hmm. one of the speakers at Chris Stuckers' um, you know, tropical event yep. he had. Mm-hmm. So. I went in, I said, "Hey guys, you know, I'm so and so. Here's the and I said hi to Greg and they're like, "Oh my god, like these donuts." And I explained to him the difference between Voodoo donuts and Blue Star donuts. So right off the bat, you're you're, you're in complete places. And then Beautiful. then there's a whole situation where all these people, like they had to um escort everybody from this uh, this this airbnb they were renting out because the actual rooftop had to, you had to go through like this elevator and stuff like that so it wasn't like direct ac- direct uh-huh. access so i offered like i'll stay up in front you know make sure everybody knows what to do as they they were escorting the first half of the group up so because i was at the front i get to meet everybody that was coming through you know perfect, perfect. <laughs> and at the same time i finally met the fizzle guys in person because they, they had seen my video so then they when they walked in in so like, then oh, they
1: remembered nice. yeah
0: so they're like oh hey you're that guy So then you're at the party, then you're just there and you're just mingling. And it was fascinating because I met so many, so many smart people and so many, you know, just listening and engaging. And uh, it happened to be so that I knew that Chris Ducker the following night was having an event for his book, Virtual Uh Freedom, because he's Mm -hmm. just killing it. He's like in this crazy book tour. You know, it's not going to end until, like, October.
1: I know. <laughs> it's it, amazing. It's amazing.
0: So I happened to get a chance to meet the uh, the company uh, at winningedits.com, um, Matt and Mindy, who were running sort of the event for him, you know. Uh-huh. So I was able to get their information. So that day, I know I didn't have a ticket to the event. So I was like, okay. So I just texted uh, Matt. I said, hey, I look – Great meeting you last night. Hope to meet you again tonight. I know Chris is having his event. I know it's a sold out event. Um, But I'm here locally. If you need any help, let me know. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, we need help. (laughs)
1: Beautiful. Look at you. Textbook. Nice. So
0: the area is applying what you're teaching in terms of networking VIP. I'm offering value to those uh, who I value that I would love to get to know better. Um, but just be genuine about it, so I showed up and they needed help at the front door because uh Mindy was needed to run around taking photographs and i re- i couldn 't believe that this whole event was going to be put on by two people, yes. so I was like oh, they definitely needed help so what the side effects was, the benefits were because I was at the front door, I got to see all the all these people coming through I get to meet everybody, check them in, you know so <laughs> you know, like I got my face seen and i got I got to see everybody you know that came through. And just was there, just being supported all, all the way through. And you
1: got to event, and you got to go there, and you really got to make a great impression on these two VIPs.
0: Yes, and that led to everything else that happened over the weekend. And I was one of those things like, Oh my gosh. So then my job was to appropriately follow up and you have a great thing in your book about the the better ways to follow up. And I'll let people buy the book and read it, but you know, I'm not going to give away the whole farm in this interview. So
1: <laughs> no worries,
0: <laughs> but it was a, a, applying your techniques. Definitely work. If you're a place, if you're in a place being genuine and you're definitely there to try to offer value and you know, because, um, it, it definitely works and, and, and you're not a taker and that that was huge huge and I can't I can't I came away from the event just going this is crazy so but I was I was ecstatic because I did have this one thing I was asking Pat Flynn about I said at what point you guys made the decision like okay I have I started a, a online business and I was focusing on this setup, this is my audience. Like for my film troopers is independent filmmakers mm-hmm. and for yourself, good in room is, you know, writers and independent filmmakers. But we also see that the, I guess the bigger pie is the world of business in general. You Mm -hmm. know, like, Mm -hmm. because everybody that's killing it online, because I said I'm at this party and I'm looking around going, oh, so that guy makes 200,000 a month on his blog. That guy makes 100,000 a month on his (laughs) blog. That's a 50,000. Like, these, it's just mind blowing, you know, and it's like, this is crazy. But they're all servicing a larger um, uh, audience base, which is the business world. And Correct. so I don't know, mm-hmm. like, I love when I was reading your book, like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. She's doing it. Like, I'm, I'm like behind the scenes, like a uh, cheerleader just saying, oh my gosh, this is so cool. She took her knowledge from Hollywood. She said, I'm switching over to be my own online, online business, but I'm also expanding this, um, this leverage I have out to the business world and I'm going to help, uh, help, uh, help that group out there. And, you know, guys, I'm just, I'm just excited because I was like, I want to, I kind of needed like a mentor to look to like, well, how, where do I take film trooper?
1: (laughs) Well, you totally can. It's so funny if you're, especially if you're interested in doing public speaking, which you're a wonderful speaker. So I would, I would definitely consider that because I think that if personally, I, once I had my son, I really didn't want to be on the speaker circuit as much as that would be very lucrative, it would be a great way to continue expanding into the business world because I did do that um, and had a number of major clients like Google and Merrill Lynch. And um, I mean, I spoke at a lot of major for a lot of major companies and that's, I mean, the the amount of money to be made in that business is way more than anything in the filmmaker world um, for sure. But personally, I like, I prefer working with filmmakers and I, for this phase of life, didn't want to be on the road each week. traveling to different places and staying in hotels and not being with my son. And so I made the choice that even though, you know, my bank account may not be as gigantic as it could be in other things, for me, that's not what's the most important. I want to be working with people that I care about and doing honest, good work and, and being able to have the time flexibility to be with my family. And that's, those are the priorities that I've chosen um, at this phase. But there could be another time where I want to get back to traveling. And so then I may branch back out into doing more business. But that is absolutely a huge market that is waiting to be tapped.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, that's one of the last questions I wanted to ask you. Like, what is your vision for Good and Room that you're willing to share? Or like, what what do you want to help? I'm an open book. Okay. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Well, I am really excited because I am continuing. I have one class that's an online um, class. That's how to be a professional writer in Hollywood that really works talks through and explains how people break in both to tv and to film and why they're very different so for that person who wants to get paid who wants to be in the writers guild it explains exactly how to do it and there's a lot of misinformation out there um, that is unfortunate and frustrating and so this is my way of correcting and actually using statistics and specific examples of how people have used these techniques to get hired and build careers um, and so that's been really exciting but I have a bunch of other um, classes in the works my next one will be about finding the right agent um, and so I'm doing I'm working hard to create the content that will answer people's questions in a way that they can access it from anywhere in the world so that they don't have to be in Los Angeles um, and that they can access this information for a reasonable price and and get the legit real information, not fluff and, you know, oh, yeah. a lot of what else is out there.
0: Oh, I'm just, I'm ecstatic. I love what you've done. Um, everything just like writing the book, um, setting up your business online, um, selling these particular products because you, what you're doing is you're solving a problem and I'm sure you've been able to extract those problems because you're very good in your email, um, auto series of like asking those questions and, you know, and I'm out there. I have a small audience, but I'm trying. I'm trying to extract as much information. Like, well, how can I help you every every week? Like, how can I help you? You because know? like, I'm trying to figure out. Like, am I on the right path here? Because I really,
1: because mm-hmm. my
0: wife is always like, well, has anybody done this? What you're doing? I go, well, not, well, kind of, not really. Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> but that's okay. I think. I mean, I love your tagline. As long as you're you're continuing to get information, and I'm I. I'm so glad that you admire what I have done, and I am so flattered, and I feel like I still have so much to learn. So I may just be a little bit ahead, but we both, you know, we're on this journey to keep learning and trying different things and experimenting. And Oh, yeah. I, I do not in any way have all the answers, but I continue <laughs> experimenting and trying and learning.
0: Well, I'm a fan for sure. So well, thanks. Um, and we can wrap it up because I about to hit the hour mark here, and I, I can't thank you enough for spending so much time just uh, wrapping with me
1: absolutely it's my pleasure well i think you're doing a fabulous job and just i mean i'm thrilled that you have used the techniques and and proven that that worked because i'm sure there were hundreds if not i don't know how many people went to the world domination summit
0: oh yeah hundreds. it was thousands well, thousands hundreds? right so
1: there I'd were thousands
0: but it was it's it, definitely there were a over thousand a thousand people. people yeah
1: okay and out of that thousand people i bet a good portion of those would have liked to have gone to chris Tucker's event but couldn't afford it didn't get in it was sold out they weren't invited blah 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 whatever but you figured out a way and anyone else there could have used that same technique but you actually went ahead and did it and and made such a great impression reconnected with these people met people multiple times so they got to see your face like caleb and other fizzle guys and chris ducker he definitely knows who you are and remember that's really impressive yeah super impressive
0: thank you thank you and You know, so you could have
1: been in your hotel room or, you know, at home just being like, well, I miss everyone's having this at this big event networking. But here I am at home. But you did it. You know,
0: (laughs) here's the funny part about it. I actually uh, applied to be a volunteer for Chris Gilgaboo's the World Domination Summit. I figured Uh that I'm local. I set aside all this time that I was going to be available for the event. And then like a month earlier, he's they're like, no, we've all filled up. We don't need your help. And it was not, like, that mean, but it was more yeah. like, we don't need – we're, we're cool. But if you want to still experience the uh, the summit, we have these um, offshoot um, one-offs that are not part of the main conference. Because I wasn't able to get the conference pass because it sold out so quickly because I, uh-huh. I didn't think I was going to need it because I thought I was going to be a volunteer. So then <laughs> I was like, I didn't get to be a volunteer. And I'm like, I didn't get the ticket. I'm like, oh, no. Great, <laughs> right, like,
1: Here I am. This is the thing I want to go to. I like, am right. right
0: down the street. You know, <laughs> so – but they had these wonderful uh, one-offs um, that they, ne- they didn't have in the previous uh, conventions or, or conferences. So I was able to go. and well, the- Even
1: more impressive, frankly. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. Really.
0: <clears throat> Here's something for you, just because you've worked with Pat Flynn. Because Pat Flynn is wonderful. If anybody who doesn't know Pat Flynn, if you get a chance, listen to his podcast. Every beginning of every podcast, he he was able to throw a little fact about himself, a personal fact about mm-hmm. things he liked. Um, he's a huge fan of Back to the Future. But he also, one of his podcasts, he mentioned that he had a crush on Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell, uh, Tiffany <laughs> Amber Thiessen. And And, you know, what guy at our age didn't? So Right. It was the
1: women, too. I mean, I think she's beautiful, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> so I knew that Chris Ducker and Pat Flynn and uh, Darren Rouse, all these guys were being part of this uh, pro-blogger, um, like, one day seminar like it was mm-hmm. going to be like so that was a Thursday before the big world domination summit so I was able to get a ticket for that made sure I showed up early and made sure that I sat in the, the freaking front row you Perfect. Know, just so Perfect. that uh, oh, yeah. the Scott,
1: face I love it <laughs> mm-hmm. but
0: on top of that I was wearing a t-shirt that had Tiffany Amartya as Kelly Kapowski <laughs> 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 so, so I, t- I, I did a selfie and tweeted it to Pat and I go, dude, I don't know if you saw this because I, I didn't get a really chance to meet him, but mm-hmm. I was we were tweeting back and forth. He goes, dude, I saw you rocking that shirt. Awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: So anyway, those are other tips.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. Right.
0: So those are other tips to add on top of your networking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that oh. is great.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I um I'll follow up you later as soon as this is all done. And um you know, just keep, I'll keep in touch. And like I said, I'm part of your um, email list and, and I loved your book. And I actually have gone through it and, you know, I bought the audio version too, which is great. And it's actually funny because you both your podcast on Chris Tucker and uh, Jesse Eichmann's uh, business of film and your, your audio book. Um, I listened to it at double speed. So this is really the first time oh, I've actually <laughs> ever heard your, you speak in a regular <laughs> tone.
1: <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> that is so funny. Hmm. What do you know? So,
0: well, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. I've got to get cleaned up and ready for this audition. For this all right, we'll break movie. a leg. Thanks. It's break a leg. Yeah, it's it's fun up here. um It's totally mellow. I don't know. I don't know how I ended up in Portland. I was from San Diego and I spent a lot of time in L.A.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but we moved up here about four years ago and. I just started to get back into acting a couple of years ago that, that my daughter was older and I was older. Yep. Sure. And, and you like, could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, what the hell? So. That's great. Awesome. Well, enjoy right. your your little boy. Thank Lizzie, you. Four or five. Oh my gosh. Four,
1: almost five. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: That's just get as many hugs in as possible. I try to do <laughs> it did. now and my daughter's like, dude, it's really awkward. I'm 12.
1: Right. <laughs> Enough, dad. <laughs> I
0: was like, oh, you don't understand. You're so cute. You're so little. I know. <laughs> and well, your time, and I definitely hope to meet up in person one of these days. Are Sounds
1: you, great. Do you get oh, ever? Perfect. Do you
0: ever get to uh, Los Angeles or the? I where?
1: do. I do frequently, and actually, every year I do. Um, I host the pitch conference at the American Film Market.
0: Oh, cool. Um,
1: and so I think that's November 9th mm-hmm. this year. So should you be attending the American Film Market or other people, um, please come on by and say hello. Heck yeah. Um, and that's always a fun event where people get to pitch their projects and then get critique from me and Cassie and Elwa's, um, and. It's very it's it's always a good time.
0: I love how you just sort of casually dropped Casey Elway's name. He's like one of the most (laughs) prominent, like independent producers around.
1: (laughs) Right. Like where else do you get him who has produced something like 278 movies, truly, and used to be the head of William Morris um, uh, independent film? Like he critiques everybody's pitches right there on stage. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. And he gives the winner, at least the last year, the last couple of years, because this is now the fifth year that we've done it, um, that the last year he just said, okay, I'm going to give $500 from my personal checkbook to whoever has the best pitch. It was great. Wow. And he did. And he did it right there.
0: Wow. What was the yep. pitch? Like 12 Years a Slave. No, just kidding. The <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a really great pitch. It was, it was really, it was funny. It, it, it's, it's really interesting each year how different the pitches are. So I'll be interested to see what this year holds.
0: Cool. So for everybody, again, that's the American Film Market in Santa Monica in November. Mm-hmm. Look for it. The Pitch Fest. Stephanie Palmer. Gosh, thank you so much for your time.
1: It is my pleasure. Thanks so much, Scott.
0: And that concludes my interview with Stephanie Palmer from Good in a Room. I encourage you to go over to see all the show notes over at filmtrooper.com forward slash 123 for number 123, which is episode number 123. And you get a lot more information about Stephanie, sign up for her emails, get, you know, maybe even hire her for consulting if you need to. Um, it's, uh, she's amazing. So anyhow, again, that's at filmtrooper.com forward slash 123. If you like this interview, please think about leaving a ratings and review over in iTunes for me. Just go to FilmTrooper.com forward slash iTunes. That will take you to the iTunes page. And any ratings and review would be very, very helpful in spreading the word about this particular podcast. And of course, don't go away empty-handed because I have a free gift for you over at FreeGearGuide.com. It's an equipment list of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 without a crew. Again, that's at freegearguide.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you next time. Film Trooper. Filmmaking freedom for the independent.